Thank you, Pastor. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Uh, let's pray before we jump into it. Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, God, that you have prepared our hearts. Your presence is here with us, Lord, and we're asking you, God, to let your word penetrate our hearts, Lord. Let us be challenged this morning. Let us be changed this morning. Let us be convicted by your word, Father. And may your word also be comforting to us and an encouragement to us, Lord God. May we leave here not discouraged, but encouraged by your presence here with us this morning. Together as a church, God, what an opportunity it is, Father, that we get to gather together as a church without any consequence to listen to your word, to dive deep into your word, and to be in your presence together as a church, Lord. We love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, we're, so we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. And just to give a little context with what's going on, Jesus has been on a journey. He's been on this journey, and uh, he's mourning the death of John the Baptist, who was just beheaded. Uh, he feeds a crowd of thousands with five loaves and two fish. He walks on water. And finally, he rebukes the Pharisees, and we get to where we are right now. Jesus has had a busy few, I don't even know how long, but it's just been a while that he's been busy. So, so we get here. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. And it says this, leaving that place, talking about leaving the Pharisees, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And we look at verse 23. Jesus did not answer a word. I just want to pause there. Jesus didn't say anything. A woman comes running up to Jesus, desperate for a touch from Jesus. Obviously something that Jesus wants willing to do to cast this demon out. And Jesus responds with nothing. Jesus did not say a word. I know we've felt this way before. I know that you and I have been in places in our faith where we have called out to God and nothing Jesus is silent. But as we see here, silence is not necessarily no from God. But in fact, God's silence is an invitation to dig deeper. That we would not just be satisfied with a quick yes or no, but instead, here is an invitation for this woman to push forward. And thankfully, Thankfully, she does. You know, this is reminiscent of when Jesus decided to stay instead of going to Lazarus. And the interesting thing about this, too, is that Jesus was trying to get away. And this is what I mean. Since the news of John the Baptist's beheading, he was seeking to be alone. I'll read it to you. Chapter 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And then the crowds came along and followed him on foot from the towns. 
Uh, so then that's when he made some food. And then he walks on water. And then uh, afterwards, he says um, they had crossed over. And when the men recognized, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, wait a second. Here we go. Immediately after feeding them, verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the, the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. He walks on water. He calls out, Peter, you have little faith. Why'd you doubt? Does all that good stuff. And then he confronts the Pharisees. And after confronting the Pharisees, we have where he says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the, to the region. But in Mark, and I'll read this to you, in Mark chapter 7, it says, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The crowds are following him. The people are following him wherever he goes. He's looking for a place where he didn't want anyone to know that he was there. There is something to be said about the pursuit of Jesus. We understand that Jesus pursues us. I hope you understand that Jesus is in pursuit of you. He's after your heart. He's after your soul. He's after you. But there's something to be said about the pursuit of Jesus on our end. That while he is pursuing you, we are pursuing him. And there's a reward for that. May we never be too proud to be desperate for Jesus. May we never be too proud to be in a place that we push and push and push and push for Jesus. And Jesus does some interesting things here, right? So first of all, he didn't answer her when she made the request. And then second, his disciples, continuing on verse 23, so his disciples came to him and urged him, can you send her away? She keeps crying out after us. This lady, I don't even know who this lady, this lady, can you, can you just, come on, send her away. But look how he answers her. He finally answers her, and this is what he says. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So instead of listening to his disciples and sending her away, Jesus challenges her faith. She presents her faith to him, and Jesus challenges that faith that is presented to him. And right here, I know that the majority of us would have called it quits. It's like, oh, I'm not in that group. I'm not an Israelite. That's not me. I'm a Gentile. Okay, got it. You're trying to hide you were not answering me. The disciples' comments show me that I'm being annoying. And when you do answer me, you tell me that I'm not qualified? Yeah, no, I'm not going to do it. Got it. Picture's loud and clear. And this woman definitely wasn't qualified. 
She is a descendant of the Canaanites, the biblical enemies of Israel, whose paganism had often led Israel into idolatry. So she definitely wasn't qualified. <laughs> she was the, her descendants are the enemy of Israel. And Jesus said that I'm here to save the lost sheep of Israel. And again, most of us would have quit right here, but what does the woman do? The woman, verse 25, came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. She is met with resistance. She's met with an answer that obviously she does not want. And what does she do? She bows down before Jesus. She humbles herself saying, okay, well, maybe I'm not qualified, but Father, I, Lord, I need you. And look at the language here. She calls, from the beginning, calls him Lord, son of David. And here, again, Lord, help me. She is displaying her faith to Jesus. This is, this is such a stark contrast in how Jesus is speaking to this woman and how he speaks to the Pharisees in the verses before. With the Pharisees, they were just being smart mouthed with Jesus. And Pharisee and Jesus was rejecting the Pharisees. But here with the woman, this is not a rejection of her faith. This is a challenge to the faith. What's also interesting is that the Pharisees would be considered the Israel that Jesus has come to save. And he's rejecting them. Why? Because of their pride. Why? Because their faith was in themselves and in their work. Not in the work of Jesus. They considered themselves qualified. And as meeting the requirements for salvation. So the woman kneels before him and says, Lord, help me. Help me. That's her response to that rejection. I mean, to, to the challenge. And look how Jesus replies. Verse 26, he replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Jesus, what are you doing? He calls her a dog. If you didn't give up before, you definitely would have given up right now at this point. A fence would have rose up right there. Man, I don't need you, Jesus. You're a dog. Get out of here. I'll go get some other magician or something to heal my daughter, to get this evil spirit out, out of the way. But Jesus is doing something very important here, and it's a powerful statement because he's making, he's making it so clear that there are a chosen people of God. And this is who God has come to save. But what this woman represents are the unqualified, the people who are outside of the circle, the people who are not necessarily in the group. And Jesus is making a clear distinction here. And again, you and I would have definitely given up right here at this challenge. 
But then she says, verse 27, Yes, it is, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Her heart was such that, Lord, whatever you give me, even if it's the leftovers, even if it's not the main dish, even if it's not the main thing, it's more than enough for what I need right now. Even if it's, again, I'm like a dog at the table begging for whatever you can give me, it's exactly what I need. It's more than enough. Whatever the Lord has to offer will be enough, and anything that the Lord will grant is enough, even if it is the leftovers. And he says this, then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. It was her humility before Jesus, her recognition that she needed Jesus, her recognition that she could not qualify herself. She was a part of a people group that was not qualified for the blessings of God. But still she reached out to God and said, you can make a way. I have no other way. You can make a way for me. You are the only one who can do it for me. I can't do it for myself. Only you, Jesus. Only you. And it takes humility to come to that place. To say, yeah, you're right, maybe I am a dog. <laughs> to say to Jesus, yeah, you're right, maybe I am a sinner. Yeah, you're right, Jesus, maybe I am deserving of hell. It takes humility to come to that place. And Jesus responds to humility. How does he respond to pride? And the verses before you guys read them, chapter 15, and the verses before, man, he's tearing them up, the Pharisees. He rejects the Pharisees, but he challenges our faith. Why was Jesus being so difficult? Didn't he know the condition of her faith already? Didn't he already know that? Of course he did. And he knew that if he tested it, it would have been proven to be great. But not so that he can know it was great, but so that she can know that it was great. And for many of you, your faith is being tested, but because it can withstand the test. Your faith is being tested because it can withstand it. Jesus knows. And if in this place of being tested, you find yourselves at the feet of Jesus, what better place is there to be at? Would you rather be standing on your own, having it all together, or would you rather be at the feet of Jesus broken with no other way out but Jesus? Great faith requires us to be humble before Jesus Great faith requires us to recognize the brokenness of our own heart. Great faith requires us to recognize that we cannot do it on our own. So hold on. You soon will see what Jesus already sees in you. You will see the condition of the faith that you have. And even if you find 
that your faith is in the wrong place. There is grace so that you can fix that. Grace in Jesus. I say this all the time because Pastor Christie says it all the time. But God reveals to heal. So if there's anything in your life that God is revealing to you that causes a brokenness in you, it's because his intentions are to heal that and to grow your faith. Your faith being tested is not rejection. Due to the arrogance and pride of the Pharisees, they were being rejected, but this woman's humility welcomed the testing of her faith. With every challenge that Jesus gave, she kept pushing. And maybe you feel that Jesus is pushing against you today. Thank God that he is. Because he could just leave you alone. He could just leave you to yourself to figure it out. But he's challenging your faith, making it great. My question is to you, do you welcome the testing of your faith? You, have, you say you have great faith, but how great is your faith? And that's the whole point of this message. Woman, you have great faith, but faith in what? Faith in who? Faith in yourself? I've done enough good for Jesus to answer me right now. I've been, I've been to enough church services. I've read the Bible through and through enough for him to answer me right now. Faith that Jesus can do miracles or faith in the sufficiency of Christ? Faith in even though you know you're disqualified, the death and resurrection of Jesus was enough to qualify you. And it will always be enough. This woman's faith was in God's love and compassion being for all people. How great was her faith to believe, I know you are a loving God. I know you are a loving God. That you would even love me. I know what my descendants did to this Israel that you are saving. That you would even love me. I know what it's like. And I know many of us know what it's like to feel disqualified before God. To feel like we're praying to him and it feels empty. To feel like we're praying and we're not receiving an answer from him. And like I said at the very beginning, these challenges to our faith and these seasons of challenge in our faith is just an invitation to push harder, to dig deeper into the Lord. The pursuit is what Jesus wants. The pursuit is what Jesus wants. And I know maybe um, you've heard this example over and over again, but I think it's such a clear example. My daughter is at an age where I can play hide and seek with her. Uh, and she'll be watching TV, and I'll just pop out into a doorway and then just disappear. And I do that because I want her to chase after me. I want her to seek after me. There's, there's a joy in her that comes when she's chasing after me. And I want to give her that opportunity. And then she comes into the room and I'm in a different spot from where she thought I was. And then I let her see me again and then I go into hiding. 
And then she comes chasing after me again. The joy in playing hide and seek is not because I'm really trying to hide from her, but the joy in hiding is so that she, ha- she experiences the joy of seeking after me and finding me. And the Lord very much does that. When he pushes up against us, challenges our faith, he wants us to experience the joy of pursuit. There is a fulfillment in pursuing after Jesus and finding him. You know what Jesus says, if you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. The Father is not hiding from you just to, because he's some evil, conniving tyrant in the air. No. There is a joy in the discipline of pursuing Jesus. It's work. <laughs> it takes tears and humility to pursue after God. But he's with you. In Matthew 15, 29 through 31, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. And I, and, and I want you to picture this with me. I, I hear that last weekend you all had a powerful service, and this is what I pictured. Then he, went, then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. Some of us this morning may feel this way in our faith, may feel crippled in our faith, because the circumstances in our lives are overwhelming. The sickness, the situation is overwhelming. And you've come here today. And together, as a church, we present ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And we're asking Jesus, Lord, we need you. Would you come help us? Lord, will you help me? And Jesus is here today with his arms wide open for you. If you would humble yourself at his feet and recognize how much you need him, he will heal you. He will give you everything you need. In verse 31, the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking. The crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Everyone from every walk of life, even if you were an enemy of God, just like this woman, her descendants were an enemy to Israel, even if you were an enemy of God, which all of us were an enemy of God, his grace is great enough to carry us to him. And here's the thing. We know in Psalms it says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and I wish I had photos, but uh, um, our, our young adult group had a wonderful trip in Colorado. We were out in the mountains. There's no signal out there. We're like two hours southwest of Denver. Dirt roads, mountains. We got there. 
We're like, man, where's the AC at? I texted the lady. The lady was like, you guys are off the grid. There is no AC. <laughs> Use the fans. There's no AC. Wi-Fi wasn't working right. The first night, like, some of us were like, what's, there weren't enough towels. I don't know. It was just crazy. First world problems. But the next morning, we had a devotion, and we, and we, and we stepped outside in, individually. We all had time alone with the Lord outside, and it was nice and cool because it was up in the mountains. You could hear the wind blowing. You saw deer and rabbits. You don't see, what? You don't see that. I mean, for me, here, South Florida, here, this is not, and I don't hunt or anything. This is not, like, normal for me. And I'm just sitting on a rock with the Lord and his word. And I just feel the wind blowing, and I'm reminded in Acts chapter 2 when it says that there's a rushing wind. The Holy Spirit, the rushing wind. And I just sat there in peace in awe of God's creation. I see the mountains in the background. The sun providing me warmth in the cool air. <laughs> the bunnies hopping everywhere. What is this place? <laughs> I'm there. And one of the verses in our devotional was that verse in Psalm 139 where it says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it says, I know the works of God full well. I, I know them well. And then I think about how beautiful that creation is and how it does not bear the image of God. We are the pinnacle of his creation. You are the pinnacle of his creation. That when he said that when he created you, he would create you in his own image. The beautiful mountains and the lovely bunnies do not bear the image of God. And he cares for them. I'm just repeating what Jesus says. I know it's easy to worry. And I know it's easy to become overwhelmed. But you are in the hands of a God who loves you. You are in the hands of a God who cares for you. You are in the hands of a God who has called you by your name. And he is with you. So don't be deterred because your faith is challenged. Don't be discouraged because you, ha you find yourself in a place where you have to dig a little bit deeper. Find the joy in pursuing Jesus. Let's stand up together and pray. Father, I want to thank you, God, for your powerful word today. God, these are your words. Lord, that you would speak to us and you would comfort and bring peace to our hearts, Lord. And I, and I just pray that for every person in this room, Lord Jesus. I pray for every person in this room, God, that they would tangibly experience the peace that, that surpasses all understanding, Father. Many of us in this room are tired. Many of us in this room are worn. Many of us in this room need a touch from you, a touch straight from heaven, Lord God. Would you do something with me and just open your hands to the Lord? Father, these are your people and they are desperate for you. They are crying out to you saying, Lord, I need your help. I need you, God. Would you meet them where, you are? Would you meet them where they are, Jesus? Meet them where they are right here, right now, Father God. Restore and heal them, Father God. 
Give strength to them, Father God. Strengthen their faith, Father God. Give them what they need, Father, in the name of Jesus, to push a little bit deeper, to push a little harder towards you, Father God, to take another step towards you, Lord Jesus. Make the path a little bit more clearer for them, Father God, so that they know where to go, God. Give them wisdom and understanding, Lord Jesus. Take away confusion, God, and doubt, Lord. Replace it, Father, with great faith, Lord. We know faith comes from you, Lord God. Remind them in this time of testing, God, that you are with them and that you are carrying with them, that you are carrying them, Lord God. Bless them in this place, Holy Spirit. Let there be healing in this place in the name of Jesus. Whether it's a, a physical healing or an emotional healing, Father God, let it happen in the name of Jesus. We trust you, God. You are here with us right now. And in the same way that you healed that crowd one by one as they were brought to you, Father God, you are healing our hearts here. You're healing our hearts. You are the same, God. You are the same loving Father. We love you this morning, Lord. We love you, Father. We pray this all in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You all are dismissed.